waiting for the table and we're doing the offering, um, I'm going to just take a moment. He mentioned it, but I want to introduce my son to you. So uh, he's not a little boy anymore. He's a man. So Josh, would you stand, please? This is my son, Joshua. Yeah, there he is. We get him for a couple weeks and then he's heading off to Hawaii. So yeah, he's really suffering for the Lord. That's right. Thank you. All right. Uh, grab your Bibles, go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 8. 1 Corinthians chapter 8. And as you're turning there, I want to uh, draw your attention to a couple things as we're still finishing up the last of the offering here. A lot of times um, when I come, I keep forgetting to do this, so I want to make sure that I uh, intentionally say this to you. Uh, I am here with you on the weekend service, but when I come into town and I'm with you on Wednesday night, I also come back on Thursday night, and I'm in the chapel on Thursday night. And the reason why we do this, I've been um, doing this now for more than 20 years, is I found that after I graduated from Bible college and I started going out and doing ministry with the body of Christ, I found that people um, kept asking this kind of question to me all the time. Is this all I'm actually made to do on this planet, is just work this job for 40 years and then retire? And is the American dream God's dream for my life? And and I saw people going through transitions and asking, well, what's God's will for me in this season of our lives? And so if you have any of those kind of questions, like what am I first doing on the planet? And is there more to life than just working a job and then getting my retirement? This whole idea of your destiny is very important. The Lord didn't just call you to salvation. He called you to bear fruit and fruit that would remain. And so what we do is we actually get together uh, once a month and we go over the, what we call the three elements of your destiny. Establishing your identity in Christ. Working through what it means to have a vision. And then giving you steps to actually have um, impact and walk that out so that everyone that gets around you gets touched by not only God's goodness, but by the passion of God's vision that he has for your life. So if you're interested in that, we start at 7 o'clock tomorrow night in the chapel. Come and join us. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. Uh, as we look at this, again, join me as we pray over God's word. Lord, we ask that as we look at your word that you would draw near us. I ask that you would awaken and illuminate your word to us so that as we understand what you wrote back in those days, we can apply it to our experience today. And I thank you for this time, and we just want to honor and bless your name this evening, Lord. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. Now concerning things sacrificed to idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge makes arrogance, but love edifies. If someone supposes that he knows anything and he has not yet known as he ought to know, but if anyone loves God, he is known by him. And this is where we're going to stay because I've decided that I'm not going to work through the idea of idol worship and, and eating food sacrificed to uh, idols. I think I'll let the other pastoral staff work on that with you. We're going to just work on this passage right here. So what I want to do is, at first, I want to just introduce the idea of what we have been going through. As you, If you've been coming on Wednesday night, the pastoral staff has been taking you, and I've had an opportunity to be here through 1 Corinthians. And what we're discovering through 1 Corinthians is that the church in Corinth was a mess. 
like every church is. There's a maturity process that believers go through, and we're finding out culturally from this group the things that they were struggling with. So we find out that they fought amongst each other in immaturity over what leader they should follow. Then we find out that they're struggling with levels of sexual impurity. Then we're now getting to the part because of the culture, they actually have these temples in these cultures where they uh, constantly um, engage in idol worship and then they actually have feasts in these temples where they've offered the food to these false gods and that's where Paul is picking up. But this part that I'm going to focus on, when he's talking about idols, he's now going to, through chapter 8, he's now going to start introducing the idea of How do we live knowing God and yet dealing with brothers and sisters that don't know certain things that we know? What do we do as we grow in the knowledge of the Lord? How do we relate to each other? And I believe that's the message that Paul's dealing with outside of just idol worship is he's now saying, as you and I start growing up in the Lord and we start learning God's ways, how do we walk with brothers and sisters that don't know things that we know in the Lord? So it says this. Uh, We know that we all have knowledge. And what I want to do is introduce, I don't know if you've ever had this opportunity to have this kind of background, but I want to make sure that you understand this. When the word knowledge is used, either in the Old Testament or the New Testament, there are three ways that knowledge is introduced to us from the Scripture. And if you look at passages and you just read the word knowledge, you just think, well, I know something. But there are three categories of knowledge that are given to us out of the Old and the New Testament, which I want to just kind of do because it will help make this passage make more sense to us. First level of knowledge is this. We find that God is a self-revealing God, which means that if God doesn't tell us who he is, what his nature is like, his way of salvation, and the purpose that he's created us for, we would not gain that knowledge by just being created and observing his creation. So the first type of knowledge we have from Scripture is God is a self-revealing God, and he gives us what we are called propositions. Now, propositions are statements or uh, instruction about the nature of what God is like. So sometimes when the word knowledge of the Lord is being used, it's using that type of knowledge. How has God revealed himself? Do you know those things about the Lord? The second way that the word knowledge is used in the Old and the New Testament is this word um, skilled knowledge, which means God comes and says, now, um, if you speak this way to a person, it'll have this effect on them. Or if you build your house a certain way, this is you'll live in a healthy environment. Or if you dig a ditch over here compared in, in the middle of your water supply, you won't get sick. This is called skill-based knowledge. Now, a lot of our culture, just so you understand this, a lot of our sermons and a lot of uh, stuff that you get when Bible teachers are standing in front of you, they're giving what is called skill-based knowledge. If you do this, you'll have a better life. God says live this way, and here are the steps to do it. And if you do that, here are the results. And it's, it's kind of like, uh, in a sense, God revealing his law to us, and the laws work whether a believer sees them or an unbeliever sees them. If you put into practice those things, here are the results that you'll get. So that's another type of knowledge. Then the third category of knowledge that's given to us in Scripture is really interesting. This one is, 
I don't just tell you facts or I don't explain how to live life. This is now a knowledge that comes by a relationship and you experience something. So an example that we would have uh, beginning in Genesis is when um, Adam, so Adam uh, doesn't have a helpmate, so God has uh, Adam put to sleep and then takes a rib and forms Eve And it said that he knew Eve. Now, that doesn't mean that God said, Adam, this is Eve, because, you know, Adam named her Eve, or woman. And um, he didn't say, okay, so name her. He didn't do that. That wasn't that type of knowledge. When it said he knew her, it wasn't also, he wasn't given a book. Here's what you need to know about the woman I've created. That wasn't what happened. It means that he knew her in experience. Now, this is important. Culturally, we, we know that we all live life and we all have experience, but when it comes to the scripture specifically, uh, there's this problem with experiential Christianity. We, we believe it's a lower form of knowledge, which the scripture doesn't actually give that picture. The Bible says, if God says he's a God of love, and then he trained you on how to love people well, it's not enough for you to have those two types of knowledge without God revealing his love to you, because you really don't know he's a God of love until you've experienced all three forms of knowledge. Okay, now hopefully that wasn't kind of intense and dry because it helps us understand what Paul is talking about in this passage. So let's look at it again. He's wanting to talk to him about uh, sacrificed idols, and he says, we know that we have knowledge. And the Greek word here for this word of knowledge is the second type of knowledge I was talking to you about. This is principles given to you, and you learn to walk them out. So he's talking about this type of knowledge. It says, now we know that we have this type of knowledge in the midst of us, that this is how you're supposed to live your life. This is what we as believers have, okay? But then he describes that this type of knowledge makes people arrogant. Isn't that interesting? Now, there's something about God's ways and the knowledge of God that can happen to the human heart, which I want to address with you now as we begin to look at this passage. Isn't it interesting that part of the problem that any person has on this uh, planet is the minute they begin to gain knowledge in some area, whether it's God or the field of interest that you're invited, when you gain knowledge and other people don't know have knowledge about stuff, There's this thing that happens in the heart where we begin to think we're better than other people. This is the tendency of the heart where it says that knowledge makes arrogance. It could have been puffed up or full of themselves. And it's this thing that that happens to the human race, even after you know Christ, that you have to be intentional about being humble no matter what area that you're living in. And this is what Paul is now beginning to address. He's saying... Because we have principle-based knowledge as believers, there's a tendency with that where we begin to try to think ourselves better than other people because we know the ways of God. And he's trying to address an issue. Having knowledge, only this form of knowledge of God, isn't the highest form of knowledge that God wants you to have. If you get stuck here thinking your job as a believer is to tell everybody their ways are wrong and your ways are right, or in a sense, becoming the Bible answer man for everybody, you're missing the highest form of love that Paul is now going to address. In my own history, just to kind of give you some background, uh, sad to say, um, at least this is several years ago, so I don't have to take credit for it now, but when I had gone to Bible college in Carter Springs and I graduated with my degree, 
I felt like I kind of knew everything. Now, how does a 24-year-old have all knowledge of Scripture? I mean, seriously. I did study theology. I love theology. I kind of knew a lot about the Bible, but it didn't mean I knew how to apply it or help people with it. And so I found myself just dispensing information to people whether they wanted it or not. Now, have you guys ever run into a believer like that? Okay, so two of you. And I noticed that it was a gentleman that's lived longer in the Lord. Usually, um, when you're first coming into the knowledge of the Lord, you come from a place of ignorance. And when God makes his ways known to you, you really know it's true and it works. And you can become a person that's so fixed on doing things right that you can almost become legalistic with it and legalistic with other people. And that's the... That's where knowledge should never end up. We should never get into a place where I know this certain thing about Scripture. I know the original language. I know the history. And so since you don't, that means I'm at a higher scale of Christianity to other believers. That's what Paul is now beginning to address that he doesn't want the Corinthians to do. Now, they've already had this problem where they're already starting to tend towards liking leaders. So this is a tendency that the Corinthians are struggling with now, and Paul is beginning to address it. And he's using the idea of sacrificing and how people walk with God with different religious groups on the planet and how you relate to them. So see, it says, knowledge makes arrogant, but love edifies. So As I am walking with God, as you and I are walking with the Lord, and we're growing in the knowledge of God, and we learn what is good and what is evil and how to live in those realms, how do we relate to people? This is the question that the Apostle Paul is now beginning to address. And he says, look, it isn't, we don't come into rooms and say, now I have a PhD in theology, and if you don't have a PhD in theology, God isn't for you. Paul's saying that you're missing it if that's how you think. And please understand, Western culture and Western Christianity loves the mind. We talk about our degrees all the time. The Bible says it's great to have those things. You need to have those things to help people. But if you believe that you're mature because you have a degree, you're missing what Christianity is about. So let's let's take up this word edify. It's not the same word. We actually find out that Prophecy edifies, but that's not the same Greek word that's used here for the word edify. So let's look at the word edify. It's interesting. Uh, It's um, ekoio dimino, which is interesting because ekoio means house. Isn't that interesting? So, and this dimino means to build a house. So when it says that love builds a house, I find that fascinating. What am I supposed to do with my knowledge? What's the end of me having the knowledge of God? God has made himself known to me. So what's the end of having that knowledge? That I can actually take that knowledge and build someone else up. That's the idea. I build them up to where they're stable. It's like you're building a house inside the soul of another person with the knowledge of God. And it it uses a very specific term. It's love that actually does this. So the knowledge that I have, if I can't get past just dispelling knowledge and make sure the knowledge I communicate communicates the love of God to them so that they can build and become stronger and deeper and richer in God, I've missed the point of what knowledge is about in the kingdom of God. And so Paul is now addressing this. He's saying, with all this knowledge that you have, please make sure that you know how to Use it properly to care for people. 
fact, later on in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, he's beginning to say, well, so how do I relate to people that I'm here in the midst of people, I've been invited to this festival, but there's a brother or sister who's struggling in the Lord while I'm there. What should be my attitude? Should I say, well, I know all things, I'm an apostle, and so if you can't deal with this, just go figure it out yourself? He's saying, no, I've come to realize that when I'm walking with people, I have to look to make sure they grow in the Lord, not just myself to grow in the Lord. He's saying this is the, the level of maturity that, the, that you and I are all striving for. In fact, this is such a theme throughout Paul's writing and the other apostles and the people that have written the New Testament, the epistles, is they're always trying to address this idea, if we're going to say that God is love and he has made himself known to us, how shall we live amongst each other so that people are strengthened when they're around us? Do you guys, I was uh, working through this. I was talking with my wife about it, um, and I was telling her, you know, it's kind of interesting. It takes a work of God to get you outside of yourself and start looking towards the needs of others. And a lot of people believe, uh, I don't know if you guys are like this, um, when I first started, the very first year that I had a class in Kansas City and I was starting to train students on how to do ministry, the hardest concept I had to work through them and myself to practice was to stop coming in the body of Christ and expect that the reason I'm there is for everybody to meet my needs and I never worry or care about anybody else's needs. Like I was there just to receive and I was never there to serve or love or care for another person. And if you're going to ever do anything with the gifts of the Spirit or any of the things that God has called you to, you've got to learn to just stop thinking about yourself 24-7 and take about a 10-minute break and actually care for another Imagine 10 minutes. But I mean, think about that with me. God expects you to get outside of yourself periodically and carry the burdens of other people. And that's what Paul is ultimately addressing in this. Now he says, let's look at verse 2. If anyone supposes he has he knows anything. That's the word. We're, we're back to this idea again. You know principles. If you think that's what this is about, just knowing certain facts and, and using that over people, then it means that you don't know what you should know. That's what he's trying to address here. He says, if you think this is what the end game of Christianity is, is that you should be over other people and you have certain knowledge about other people. Here's the, here's the test I'm always doing on myself. If the knowledge that God has given me is not helping you walk in a more of a loving relationship with the Lord and walking closer with him, what does all that knowledge I have actually benefit anybody? I mean, it's great to have it in my head and entertain myself, but if it's not doing this transformative work for another person, I'm not taking the knowledge in properly. And then verse 3, it says, but if anyone loves God, he is known by him. Now, that, that's an interesting word because we're back to the word know again. But if anyone loves God, he is known by him. Now, there, this actually follows a parallel concept in the New Testament where Paul is saying, look, we love because he first loved us. And this is almost a restatement of the same statement. But if anyone loves God, that's the right form of growing in the knowledge of the Lord, to love him. If I begin to take that knowledge to love God, it says 
he is known by God. Now, the, the word for know here is that third type of knowledge I was talking about. This is experiential knowledge. And I, I find it's fascinating that the Greek word here for this is not, if you love God, you'll know facts about God. It's not saying that. And it's not saying if you love God, you'll know how to walk in life. There are other places it talks about that. It's actually saying if you love God, God's going to take his love that you have for him, and he's going to take a greater love that you've never experienced, and you're going to know him in that love. That's kind of interesting, isn't it? He's actually telling you that this idea of opening my heart to the first principle of loving God is going to do a work inside of me, and that's what he's addressing with the Corinthians, that's going to change me in the way that I look at people, the way I relate to people, and my attitude towards people in the fact of, here they are in their life, how can I come to be a person that lifts them, builds them up, and then by the time they get done with relationship with me, they actually feel like they've been refreshed because they've had relationship with me. Guys, there's, there's all types of Christians, aren't there? There are different value systems in different parts of the body of Christ. But at least we have in this passage, Paul giving us an example, this is the value system that's on the heart of God. He, wants you to have, he doesn't want you to just have this knowledge or these degrees so that you can impress each other. He wants it to have a living, dynamic application for you and I so that when we say we love God, people can say it's true because when I stand near them, I get strengthened, my soul gets refreshed, and I can sense the love of God in every way that it wants to be related to me. Isn't that amazing that that's what Paul is addressing, even though he's working through the idea of people sacrificing to idols and how it has an effect on the body of Christ. If someone observes Paul eating food in that context. I mean, when I was first looking at the patches, I was just rubbing my head thinking, how am I going to work through this? Who wants to talk about eating food? To I, I don't know too many people that do this unless I go to a foreign nation. And yet, right here in the passage, Paul's getting to the heart of the matter. He's saying, well, here's knowledge. It's great to have knowledge about this stuff, but how you and I live our lives with each other, that's the question. When I first came to the Lord... It's very interesting how God um, modeled this to me. I started going to a, uh, if you guys know my background, I was a Nazarene. I was uh, Church of the Nazarene. And uh, when uh, my fiance, who's now my wife, took me to the Church of the Nazarene, this elderly gentleman in the church uh, used to come up to all the new young men in the church and just say, hey, and he'd introduce himself. And then he'd say, we do this Bible study I am inviting you to come to my Bible study. And, and I remember the first time I thought, what, what, do you, what do you do at a Bible study? Well, since I had no clue, as I walked into this, I thought we were going to sit there and study different parts of the Bible and everybody give their opinion on it. And he was going to give me some information about it. I, I so did, that's not, I mean, that happened, but that's not what I got out of the Bible study. This guy modeled God as a loving God to me. All of a sudden, we're doing Bible studies, and he's fixing my car. And then he's coming over to my house and helping me repair my house. He's taking me out and showing me how to love other people. He's inviting me to cookouts. I mean, just all this stuff. And all of a sudden, he's now getting the word in me 
but he's, he's modeling it in front of me. He's refreshing me every time I get around him. In fact, I'm so grateful for him. He's with the Lord now. He's been with the Lord now for about 15 years. But I think of him often because of the impact of him modeling, not just what the word said, but the effect of it towards me. Where I'm at in my life right now is because of what that man put into me. He modeled exactly what Paul was talking about in this passage. Now, you and I, I don't know all of you, know some of you, but you and I are coming to this room, we're hearing God's word. God doesn't want us to just be people that gain the knowledge of what it says. He wants us to take this information and live it out with everyone that we come in relationship to and build people that we know. I'm going to finish with this. One of the, the best things that ever happened to me is what I call one of the deepest places of despair in my life. When I first got married, um, if you don't know my background, my parents were divorced. By the time I was in the sixth grade, they were having all kinds of marital problems. And by the time I was a sophomore in high school, they had gotten a divorce. So I had really bad modeling of parenting. When I got married, I remember literally a week after getting married, going into a room by myself, um, getting on my knees and telling the Lord, I am just absolutely clueless on how to be a husband. And that place of emptiness and despair inside of me was the best place for me because when I went to seek knowledge on how to be a husband, from the word, I determined in my heart what is shown to me to be wisdom and reflects the nature of God, I'm going to model this every time I get a chance. I'm going to do the work of being the first one to apologize when we have an argument. I'm going to, be, I'm going to go about trying to learn to honor my wife. I'm going to learn how to be there for her, be a spiritual leader. I, I remember just thinking, if this is what God has called me to, I can't just listen to information and not try to put it into my life. And I would encourage you at any point where you're walking with the Lord now, it's not the people that listen to the word that God's impressed by. It's the people that put it into practice. They become very strong as Jesus talked about. And this is what Jesus and the apostles are modeling when they talk about these themes in Scripture. Don't just be a person that listens. It's great to listen. At least you're listening. Be a person that listens and then puts it into practice. All right, join me in prayer. Let's pray. I so thank you for your, what you're telling us here in 1 Corinthians. I thank you that there are types of knowledge that you make yourself known to us, Lord. Now, Lord, would you, in a sense, flip that switch inside our soul? And get us from being people that just listen to the Lord, word to people that do the word. Help us connect the two, Lord. Help us realize that these things that you're telling us are literally precious from your very presence, and they change our lives when we step into them. I thank you that out of your great love for us, you have made yourself known to us. Help us be a family that responds to your fathering. And I want to bless your name tonight, Lord. 
In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. All right. If you're struggling with um, panic attacks, a lot of stress in your life, and you wonder where the Lord's at, the Lord actually wants to minister to unite. So if that's you, you're struggling with a lot of stress or panic attacks, would you stand the Lord wants to minister to you? Yeah, if you want, go for it. So if you have a lot of panic attacks, you're, stru- you're stressed out, um, if that's going on, and you just feel like, where's God? I actually felt like Laura's telling me he was going to come and just bring a sense of peace and a breakthrough for that. So if that's you, or if you do want to stand for someone, please do that, all right? And please just put your hands out and receive from the Lord. Holy Spirit, we welcome you to bring your power and your presence. Now, Lord, our inheritance is rest and peace. So inside our soul, where we have anxiety and fear, I ask that you, by the power of your love, would break the effect of that inside of us. And you, by your healing presence, would work inside our emotions and inside our thoughts, and that a strengthening of wholeness would come into us. And that faith would be released inside of people right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, you may be seated. Is there someone here dealing with their skin actually is inflamed and it's burning and you have patches of redness? So it could be skin issues, a burning sensation on your skin, or patches of redness. If that's you, would you stand? The Lord wants to minister to you. Is that you? Okay, my son. All right. Hey. All right, anyone else? All right, so if that's you, just put your hands out. The Lord wants to release his power and his presence over you. So Holy Spirit, bring your power right now. Now, Lord, you know what to do inside of us to bring order. So I ask that the the healing presence of your spirit would come right now. Just release your power over them, Lord. And I bless your name. Now, no weapon formed against them will prosper, and we command this to stop in the name of Jesus. Now, restore them, God. Bless them. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, let's do this one. If if you um, are dealing with sore throat or inflammation in your glands, would you stand? The Lord wants to minister to you. Sore throat or inflammation in your glands. Sorry you're dealing with that. Anyone else? Again, sorry you're dealing with that. Please put your hands out and receive from the Lord. So Holy Spirit, bring your power and your presence right now. I break the power of pain right now over their bodies. And I ask, Lord, that you would just bring your healing salve over their throat. I command the inflammation and the pain to stop in the name of Jesus. And I ask that you would strengthen them, Lord, with your goodness. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. All right. Uh, I'm kind of struggling with this one. We're going to go ahead and go for it. Is there a woman here named Gina? Gina. Is that you? Um, Okay. Hey, bless the Lord. Do you have a son, Gina? You don't. Okay. So this might not be for you, but um, I'm going to go ahead and pray for you. So would you just stand for a moment, please?
Okay, Holy Spirit, bring your power and your presence around Gina. So let your goodness be with her, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that one of her motivational gifts is the gift of serving and that you've actually called her to actually be like a refreshment to people. A lot of people come around you, Gina, and when they're around you, you refresh them by how well you serve. And the blessing of the Lord is upon you, and the Lord wants you to know that not only does he hear your prayers, but that you are pleasing in his sight. And a lot of stuff that's been said to you in the past from people uh, is not from the Lord. The Lord is pleased with you, and you, you have been doing what the Lord has called you to do, and God is going to use you as a burden bearer to care for a lot of people with your prayers and by what you say. It's your words that actually refresh them, and you're a blessing to the Lord. So, Lord, bless Gina right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Thank you, Gina. And then I had one more. Um, you, you guys were visiting with me before the service started, but could you stand, please? Not you, sir, sorry, but your wife. Would you just put your hands out and receive a blessing from the Lord? Because as I was saying, the Lord started just sharing some of his heart with me for you. So, Holy Spirit, just release your power and your presence. Uh, your motivational gift is compassion. The Lord uses you a lot through your compassion to actually strengthen a lot of people. And I, and I don't know if you do a lot of crafts or creative things, but God sure has given you that gift that when you do that and you give that to people, it refreshes them. And God wants you to realize he's behind that. And I feel like the Lord wants me to encourage you, don't look at someone else's gifting and believe that what God has given you is insignificant because what he's given you is an incredible blessing to people. It refreshes people, it strengthens them, and by your willingness to serve people, it causes them to rejoice in the goodness of God. And so can we just ask the Lord to bless you over that. So Father, for your daughter, we ask that you would just strengthen her, this creativity that she uses to bless people. We ask that you would release it right now. And I thank you for your goodness, Lord. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Thank you. Okay, I'm going to, sorry, I was going to just not do this one, but I'm going to go ahead and see if it's the Lord or not. Felt like the Lord gave me a gentleman's name, he's Spanish. His name was Carlos Hernandez. Is, is there a Carlos Hernandez or someone that knows someone by that name? Carlos Hernandez. You know someone by that name? I'm sorry? That's your stepdad. All right, here's what I had for him. So are you ready? Would you stand? The Lord told me that he has not been shown honor. People have not honored him properly. Does that make any sense to you at all? And the Lord wanted me to point out to him, and you could just share this with him, that there's a leadership gift on his life, and the, that kind of dishonoring is going to stop, and the Lord's going to draw near to him and bless him with the peace and the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. So can we pray for him about that? So, Father, for Carlos Hernandez, I ask that you would release your power over him and this dishonoring that's gone on in his life, we break the power of it right now, and we command the Father's blessing upon him, this leadership gift in his life, we command it to come forth right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. Thanks. All right, so I went for that one. I'm going to go for the last one, and we'll be done. Is there a person here that actually does work? They live here, but they have some work affiliation in Boston, the city of Boston. Is anyone, anyone in the room? 
Is that you? Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, so the Lord actually wanted me to tell you that. <laughs> so isn't this fun to do this? I felt like the Lord was saying that your efforts towards Boston is specifically in the financial arena, and the Lord was going to actually give you a breakthrough in that arena. Does that make any sense to you? Okay. <laughs> Can we... Okay, so can we pray for you about that? Okay, so stand. So Lord, this thing in Boston, this financial breakthrough, this connection that, that she has, we ask that you would open the doors that no man can shut. We ask that the blessing of the Lord would be upon this, and we thank you for what you're going to do. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. All right, guys, let me finish up and pray a blessing over you, and then we'll be done, all right? Father, we just honor and bless you this evening. Thank you, Lord. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face to you and give you rest. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.